With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. Grizzled, used to be a boy, sidekick, now very calculated, steel-armed, winter soldier bruiser, Holden McNeely. And hi, it's me, Sam Wilson, an African-American man who is uh, born and raised in Harlem, or maybe uh, northern Louisiana, or maybe I was a social worker, or maybe I was a bird enthusiast, or maybe I'm actually a mutant who has a psychic connection to every bird on Earth. It really depends on the writer. It's kind of complicated. Comics are weird. I'm glad you finally addressed this, because every black I've ever met has introduced themselves as, hi, my name is blank, an African-American man. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry for using such an offensive black scent uh, during that introduction. (laughs) I understand. I really, you know, the times have changed and I just want to be better about it. And I'm so sorry. (laughs) Uh, And yes, today we are talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh my God, this is the most challenging gush I've ever had to give. I guess I saw them in some of the movies. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, I actually uh, saw The Winter Soldier for the first time this week. I, it's actually one of the ones that snuck past me in the in the whole Marvel. I think I gave up on Marvel for a little while there. Mm. There was like that time when, what, it was like Thor and Winter Soldier. And that, that little pocket of movies, I was checked out for. I was like, I'm good. I don't know why. I don't know what was going on, but I was just good on it. But I'd always actually been told... The Winter Soldier is a pretty strong one in the whole MCU catalog, and uh, I have to agree. I enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, quite a quite a fun romp. I will say it is funny though how little of the Winter Soldier you actually get. How little of uh, you almost get more Falcon in, in his titular film. Yeah, you get very little. Winter Soldier. Yeah, but at least it plants the seed of of what that character is going to become, and it's cool to see that you know the Winter Soldier and the Falcon have been uh, a part of the whole shebang all the way through Endgame. Uh, of course, that you know the snap affects them and 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 all that, but uh, they they get in they get back in there in Endgame, and that's fun. And uh, then they make this movie, and we just did WandaVision, and we're watching this weird, interesting shift in television go down. I feel like. We saw this happen with Sopranos and the Mad Men and stuff like that back in the day with Prestige TV. Now TV feels more, almost more movie-like a little bit. They've got these hour-long episodes, a lot of in- intense drama, character study stuff. And now, between The Mandalorian, WandaVision, and this TV show, 
it's like, oh, God, now TV is starting to become like the big summer blockbuster. TV is movies. TV yeah. is movies. Um, yeah, like the big summer popcorn blockbuster is now coming out in weekly bite-sized chunks. And that is a fascinating movement in this whole thing. God, could you imagine the world we live in right now if they had gone ahead with the plan to make the Snyder Cut also episodic and airing, like, in opposition to Falcon Winter Soldier? Like, that would have been... I actually probably... I still haven't seen it. I probably would have watched it more... That is so funny, because even though it is cut up into chapters, and that's kind of the way I need to watch it, but I definitely would have been more intrigued by it and sat down for that first episode, quote-unquote, of it, if it had come out like that. And uh, I don't worry, though. I saw today the big headline. They are restoring the Snyderverse, whatever that means. Oh, they are continuing. I didn't know that. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's real or not. It's something I saw on Facebook, but apparently they are they are making like a sequel to Justice League now or we something. We are recording on April on. Fool's Day, so that might, who knows? <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't even think don't about that. Don't trust anything on the internet. Um, I didn't even think about that. So these two characters for me uh, are have weirdly been like kind of this ever-present thing that I've never quite engaged with on a solid level. One of the first comic books I ever like held in my hands when I was a child was a copy of Captain America from like the late eighties, early nineties that had Falcon in it. Um, It was signed by Stan Lee, even though Stan Lee didn't write that issue and he didn't create the character. But I think my dad just saw Stan Lee and wanted his signature on something. Nice. And the Falcon was in it. And I was like, dad, I know Superman, I know Captain America, I know Spider-Man, who's the Falcon. And he was like, he's Captain America's friend. And I was like, what? And I was, is he like in a team? Is he in the X-Men? And my dad's like, no. And I was like, is he in his own book? And my dad was like, no. And I was like, so who is he? And my dad's like, he's Captain America's friend. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> but he has a costume and he has wings and he can fly and he has a he has powers. And my dad's like, yes. The Falcon is Captain America's friend with powers. And like, so from the beginning, he's always been this fascinating anomaly within comics canon. Bucky is uh, always been like kind of part of, you know, the he's been the Uncle Ben, the uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne. Yes. The, the, the tragic figure of uh, the great mistake in Captain America's past that gives him that brooding kind of solemn commitment to duty to never again fail those close to him but in his case they just uh, it's not like they you know let uncle bing come back as a cyborg so (laughs) he's a little bit special in that sense but he was the one of the only forever deads in a world where superman can die and come back where gene gray can die and come back several times in uh you know where just death is nothing in the world of comic books except in the examples of uncle ben Jason Todd, the second Robin, and Bucky. And around the 2000s, Jason Todd and Bucky came back as brooding, domino-masked emo (laughs) boys with guns. Yeah, which I think is fun. And there's a cool little backstory to all that. And I think that for anyone listening to this, maybe you jumped on this. Well, I hope you jumped on this because you just can't get enough as you want to listen to every single episode. But maybe you jumped on this because you're just like... Falcon Winter Soldier, I I care because it's a really cool Disney Plus show that has a ton of great action, and it's just kind of that new Marvel Disney Plus show to watch. Uh, But there's this whole great history in the comic books uh, to delve into, and we're going to give you that. We're going to hand you all of that so you have so much more. Because, 
again, and I'm seeing it here like I saw it with WandaVision, they, they really do reward you for understanding mm-hmm. the, the history of all of these things. They really, really reward you for knowing that, hey, here's a spoiler alert, for knowing that at one point both Bucky Barnes and Sam Wilson are become the new Captain America at mm-hmm. one point in their comic history. And that, I mean, just knowing that fact alone gives so much more weight to what's going on with the new Captain America in Falcon and the Winter Soldier and all that situation. So, you know, it, it's uh, it's really cool to see, and there's, of course, a lot of great stuff. Is I believe Sam Wilson is the first African-American superhero as well. He's, I mean, there's been, like, black characters in comics before, and Black Panther predates the Falcon by about a year, okay. but in terms of an, yeah, an African-American uh, superhero... It took until 1969 for the Falcon to get introduced in the comics. And I will say another really cool thing about the show is knowing that Malcolm Spellman, he was he, he is also an African-American man who wrote uh, on the TV series Empire in 2015, which was largely like a black run operation, acting operation. And uh, he's coming in and he's trying to finally address some social issues through this TV show and address, and address, you know, I mean, there's literally a scene where cops are really getting threatening towards <laughs> Sam Wilson, and uh, and then they realize he's the Falcon, and then they start treating him all nice again. Yeah. And uh, there's a scene where he, uh, Sam Wilson and um, his sister, right, his sister, uh, are get, get denied a bank loan at a bank, and it's largely racially charged. And so there's really interesting stuff here. And and by the way, before before you you, uh, uh, I, I hope no one who listens to the show feels this way. But before you turn around and be like, oh, that's all they're doing these days is all this like social justice shit. Uh, Marvel and Stan Lee have been uh, addressing this stuff since the '60s, and it's actually hugely a part of the Marvel pedigree to adro- it is address the most like. If you think comics is not about a liberal coastal Jew ham-fistingly inserting his <laughs> politics into superhero stories, yeah, dog. you have no knowledge about Marvel Comics because yeah, I have so- read a lot of – for this episode – I have read so many comics, Captain America comics from the 60s and 70s, and ooh lordy, ooh lordy, do they have some things to say. That's something I feel like not enough people talk about when the when the current MCU gets this dumb backlash is like, brah, this is the reason for the fucking scene. They're actually more on brand now than they ever were before with all this kind of thing. And I think it's fascinating to see. And I love, show, like, I, I really enjoyed The Boys. This kind of has some of that vibe a little bit in the sense of, you know, I love when they take the superhero thing and they're like, yeah, but also sometimes they have a hard time paying rent. Like sometimes they have even in the show. And I loved this in the show. They're like, wait, don't you just like doesn't Tony Stark just like give you money or like isn't there like a a slush fund or like, you know, not a slush, but like isn't there like just a fund, a payout they give all superheroes just for merely existing? And it's like, nah, dude, we don't get shit, you know, especially the the more side side piece characters, you know? Uh, I will say, I talked to my dad who grew up in the 60s and like was reading Marvel comics at the beginning, like he was an OG fanboy. And I asked him like, hey, so, you know, around 1969, 1970, when Captain America and Spider-Man would go to college campuses and be like, listen up, hippies, you can't be going causing a ruckus like this. There's got to be a cooler way we can jam on these political differences. <laughs> Youth of today, like, did that resonate? Did that feel, like, political and active and cool? And my dad kind of got quiet for a second and was just like, 
No, it felt like a 40-something Stan Lee was just trying to talk to the kids. And I was like, yeah, "Eh, makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. So let's get into it. I think we should definitely start with, you know, the first of these two characters that get introduced into the whole world of Marvel and Captain America. Oh, wait. And that would be Winter Soldier and Buggy Bards. But wait, also, uh, we realized as we were starting this research that uh, we just assumed we'd done an episode on Captain America. So just know that we have now acknowledged that we haven't done an episode (laughs) of Captain America yet and that we absolutely plan to. And we will definitely get into the history more of Cap in both the comics and the MCU as a whole in that episode. Uh, We're just shocked we hadn't done one. Like, we literally just thought we had. We've just done so many of these episodes at this point but uh but we're just jumping right into his sidekick characters for weirdly enough before we get to him so back when joe simon created captain america for the pre-marvel timely comics it was called timely and then it was called what was it atlas or whatever mm-hmm. yeah and then marvel uh uh it uh back in this is back in 1940 he included a sidekick simon said the Simon said. Simon said, the boy companion was simply named Bucky after my friend Bucky Pearson, a star on our high school basketball team. And it really all just came from Robin over on the DC and becoming a huge hit that back in 1940, and it paves the way for many sidekick characters. I mean, there's a couple reasons why. I never actually thought about why oh, the I, sidekick Holden, was so important. Holden, I have thought deeply about the psychic importance of the sidekick <laughs> character within modern American comics. You know, yeah, I right. thought a many great day. <laughs> We're not, I don't want to get into your sick lust stuff. Okay, no, no. Jake, well, keep it, clean. it kind of got into that a little bit because by the <laughs> 1950s, Frederick Wortham actually accused uh, Robin and other sidekick characters of being like a weird buggery thing. Uh, but it really isn't. Um, it was kind of an accident. Like it honestly, like the Robin concept just caught on like wildfire because young boys were reading these comics yeah. And, like, the power fantasy of the superhero is, you know, when you're small and weak, you read these adventures of these strong, impossible-to-hurt men, and you, like, want to embody that. You know, all your yeah. fears are pushed aside, and you get to live out this power fantasy through the immersive art form of comics. And by accident, they stumbled upon the fact that if you put in a kid character in the action, the power fantasy becomes that much easier because now there's a kid that readers can imprint upon that is like actively witnessing the action and is in the fray. And superheroes have always been like father figures for a lot of wayward boys, you know, Superman, Batman, uh, Captain America just are always like strong and righteous and fair and all the things you look for in a father figure. So like Bucky and, and Toro and there's like mini Submariner, like everybody had a sidekick back in these days. You like literally couldn't, To the point where they had kid heroes who were given adult sidekicks. Like, it was essential that, like, there be a big guy and a a small boy. Also, also, it did have a very technical writerly reason because... Uh, if you have a sidekick, you've just got someone there for the superhero <laughs> to explain exposition to, explain their motivations to, or their plans to, without using just text blocks and and doing it the, uh, kind of on a cheaper way. Like you could insert it into the story much more seamlessly. More than that, well. uh, what's it? You did your character get backed into a corner and you don't know how to write him out of it? Boom! Sidekick pops out from off panel, saves the day. Uh, is the stakes kind of too low and is your hero not really challenged by the scenario you put out in front of him? Boom. Oh, we got the sidekick uh, hostage. Now he's in dis- now he's a damsel in distress. Like it solves so many things. 
Yeah. And it really does imprint on younger readers and gives them an entry point in the story. So in issue one of Captain America comics from 1940, is it 40 or 41? 41, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, They introduce, you know, uh, evil uh, Nazi saboteurs, the star-spangled man, you know, and then the super soldier serum. And real quick, they just introduce the idea that Steve Rogers is like incognito. Which makes no sense because he's a literal, if he's supposed to be like a government propaganda figure, people should be like, his name's Steve. He's just like you. You should like, yeah. it's great. He belongs to the government. But yes, it is a hidden identity. Um, and he's also working in a military regiment, right? Like kind of as his, uh, as his day job kind of outside of costume situation, I believe. Right. Right. And, then, uh, and so and then, he's at Camp Lehigh which just so happens to have an official army mascot, um, which is weird. It's weird that there's just a child that belongs to the army. His name's Bucky Barnes, and Bucky, wouldn't you know it, he happens to walk in on Steve while he's changing into his cap gear. Cap says, you little rascal, I ought to tan (laughs) your hide. But also, he says, from now on, we must both share this secret together. That means you're my partner, Bucky. (laughs) So there you go. It happens like that. Buggy's costume uh, has him initially in red tights and gloves with a blue tunic and boots to kind of match Captain America. After World War II, the popularity of superhero comics declines in America in favor of crime, fiction, westerns, and horror. And so Bucky, you know, he, he's he's strong in that initial, what, golden age of comic But Are we in the golden age here? We're or the very silver? golden age in the Yeah, 40s. right, very golden age, right? Uh, yeah, in the golden age of comics, uh, he's, he's this chippy sidekick kind of guy and then um uh you know they decided uh after the popularity of the superhero comics are declining a little bit and they also decide hey we want to get them ladies reading comics so they end up sidelining bucky i believe he gets an injury and he's taken out for a little while and then cap's sidekick becomes golden girl and uh that didn't do super well uh it's a so, i read that issue yeah. it is i shared it with the sunday study group go to patreon.com slash whisper and find out how you can join in on that and uh it involves bucky getting shot in the gut like a punk and he's in his hospital bed and captain america is like well miss lady i guess you'll be my sidekick and then they just start making out in front of bucky and bucky's like this is great good, good lord good. the cap's getting taken care of so yeah, not not super popular, and the whole run, the whole Captain America comics run, stops publication entirely in 1949. So cut to 1954. There's an attempted revival with Captain America and Bucky fighting commies in the mid 50s, but it was short lived. Um, and yes, it was Captain America commie smasher. Mm. Uh, but yeah, what didn't what isn't as effective as you know the whole punching Hitler in the face of the 1940s so in the early 60s Stanley and Jack Kirby decide to relaunch Timely as Marvel Comics and they want to totally reimagine all of their stable of heroes and Stanley felt that quote one of my many pet peeves has always been the young teenage sidekick of the average superhero Lee also said if yours truly were a superhero there's no way I'd pal around with some freckled faced teenager at the very least people would start to talk all right, Stan, keep it, take it easy, keep it reeled in here. But yes, uh, he was very good, so, which is very funny, um, because that is actually what is, it's not exactly he him, it's, it's just funny that it comes out of like, I hate superheroes, as opposed to like, we need to give a tragic motivation for Cap. <laughs> 
You know what I mean? So uh, Captain America is reintroduced as a member of the Avengers 1963, but no Bucky to be seen. And when he wakes up from his frozen slumber in the North Atlantic, he screams, Bucky, look out! And then we find out that during the war, Bucky was blown up trying to stop a plane filled with explosives, and Captain America actually fell into the frozen water that he would remain in for decades whilst trying to save Bucky. And so, yes, Bucky does become the tragic motivation, but, uh, uh, you know. This was news to me. I actually went and tried to find the last canonical Bucky appearance in Captain America, and he's there. He's just hanging out during the 1950s reboot, and... The whole idea that Bucky is this tragic martyr for America who died selflessly trying to explode over the Atlantic Ocean was a total retcon. It like they had to go back in the 60s and write it in as like a flashback that never happened in the pages of the comics. It's that was insane to me. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Marvel Comics writer Peter Sanderson said one of the absolute rules at Marvel was the two characters who were absolutely permanently dead and there was no way they'd ever come back were Uncle Ben and Bucky, which is very interesting because now let's bring Ed Brubaker into the scene. Well, uh, ooh, do you want to go straight through with uh, Bucky or do you want to go canonically and throw the Falcon in there? All right, let's jump to the Falcon. I'm with it. You, you, you've, you've swayed me very easily, Jake. Let's jump in, over to. I've been told I have a strong presence of personality <laughs> and can bend men to my will <laughs> because of my smooth talking ways. You should be a superhero, Jake. <laughs> so the first African American superhero, as we mentioned before, in mainstream comics, uh, Sam Wilson first appeared in Captain America number seventeen back in late nineteen sixty nine. One seventeen. One seventeen. Oh, one seventeen. Oh, what a typo. What a typo I've made. 117 back in late. That would make sense for the time. Late 1969. It was created by Stan Lee and artist Gene Colan. Colan said, In the late 1960s, when news of the Vietnam War and civil rights protests were regular occurrences, and Stan, always wanting to be at the forefront of things, started bringing regular... Uh, started bringing these headlines into the comics. One of the biggest steps we took in this direction came in Captain America. I enjoyed drawing people of every kind. I drew as many different types of people as I could into the series I illustrated, and I love drawing black people. <laughs> it's just a funny statement to say. This is a very old... Hi- the, what you're about to read is a very like kindly old hippie statement yes. that in, in modern times you're Doesn't just like, age Well, <laughs> yeah, not a fine wine statement here. I love drawing black people. I always found their features interesting and so much of their strength, spirit, and wisdom written on their faces. I approached Stan, as I remember, with the idea of introducing an African-American hero and he took to it right away. I looked at several African-American magazines and used them as the basis of inspiration for bringing the Falcon to life. So, uh, yeah, Sam started out uh, as a dude from Harlem who adopted a wild falcon he named Red Wing. Okay, so this is amazing. I read this issue so many... Captain America 117, uh, track it down because it really showcases... If you like birds, if you're into birds, you need to check this out. So, uh, first of all, Gene Colan's art is amazing. Like, I know he's just like, oh, I love the wisdom of their facial structure. Like, that sounds weird. But he is lovingly rendering Sam Wilson in every frame. He's like smiling, beaming. He's like athletic and like he's he looks like a god among men. And uh, he just compared to like Jack Kirby and Sal Buscema and all these other 
uh, other Marvel artists at the time, there really is just like a love of like anatomy and posing. Like he just draws very beautiful figures. I don't know how else to say it to the point where in this issue, first thing you got to know first, it's number one, Red Skull stole the cosmic cube from MODOK and immediately used it to switch bodies with Captain America. So Captain America is in the Red Skull's like body. He has the gross face and he is dropped on an island of the exiles, which is a some kind of vaguely South American tropical island where uh, the entire island has been conquered by a bunch of World War II era bad guys called the exiles. There's like one guy who looks like Mussolini and his name is Baldini. There's a like a Manchurian soldier named Ching or Chang, depending on the it's actually misspelled several times within the same issue. Uh, there's like a German helmet von bad guy kind of guy. And there's a uh, old man in what he calls a murder chair being wheeled around named Cadaverous. Yes. Love the murder chair. Jake posted on his Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I will kill him with my murder chair, which is always. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and Sirius XM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and Sirius XM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus Trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today it's fun so they find captain america in the body of red skull and they try and kill him and out of the jungle comes a beautiful black man and his beautiful bird and they save captain america and captain america uh still in disguise is like hey man what's your story you seem like a good guy and that's when sam wilson is like Oh, you know me. I was just a Harlem bird enthusiast. I used to have the biggest pigeon coop of on, of any rooftop in New York City. And then when I took a vacation in Rio, I befriended a falcon and he became like a part of me. Anyway, I saw a newspaper ad looking for a falconry expert to join them on a mysterious island. Turns out they wanted to keep me prisoner. And now I'm stuck here. <laughs> and Captain America's like, what a crazy story. You should definitely... Put on a costume, call yourself the Falcon, and I'll teach you how to be a superhero. <laughs> and within the same issue, the Falcon enlists local natives of the island to sew him a costume. He gets a cool medallion, and he becomes this green and yellow and red uh, bastion of justice known as the Falcon. No wings whatsoever, no super soldier uh, anything no uh, psychic link to Red Wing. Red Wing just kind of is just chill and will like answer orders, I guess. But he's just a guy in a mask who has a bird at this point in the story. <laughs> uh, there's like a two page sequence in the next issue where Captain America like teaches him how to do judo flips. 
And that's like canonically where we get like Sam Wilson is an elite level hand to hand combatant, like personally trained by Captain America, one of the deadliest men alive. But like while all this is happening, the the dynamic between the two is established with Captain America being this burdened man out of time, constantly beset from all sides by forces, both domestic, foreign and supernatural. And the Falcon is a man of the people, a, a good good old man from Harlem who's just like trying to do right by his community and those around him. Um, they defeat the exiles and immediately Red Skull uh, uses the cosmic cube and tries to murder them both in a Nazi castle using psycho magic powers. And the Hell whole yeah, time he does. Captain America is like, oh shit, I'm sorry. I kind of just like, needed your help, but now you're being attacked with psychomagic powers in a Nazi <laughs> castle. And the Falcon is immediately like, ain't no thing. This is, I, I love to sock a jaw to a bad guy. Like, he's just <laughs> down with this, and it's very endearing. Oh, also, weirdly enough, in these issues, uh, Bucky is there, but it's uh, former Hulk teenage sidekick Rick Jones in the Bucky mm. mask. And mm. he's deciding that it's a bad idea to be Bucky, but that's just a side thing. But it's all this Silver Age craziness is happening. Yeah, all through the 70s, Falcon and Cap teaming up in NYC. That's where we see that's where we see Falcon in its initial in, in, in creation. And it's a very weird era for Captain America because he starts this run, this solo run, as kind of a uh, secret agent, kind of member of S.H.I.E.L.D., Black Ops, kind of like save the country super spy thing. But when it's Captain America and the Falcon, which the series quickly gets retitled to Captain America and the Falcon, all the stories take place in New York. Uh, Captain America deals with, like, protests on college campuses, the rise of, like, sleazy advertising agencies. Uh, it, It just feels like a soapbox for Captain America to kind of reflect whatever the writer's societal ills are. And in issue number 196 in June of 1975, Falcon's backstory is retconned from being a former social worker wanting to be wanting to better uh, the lives of inner city youth to being a thug working for the mob whose memories were altered by the reality warping cosmic cube. Uh, they're, they're just kind of developing his character in all these different ways throughout the 70s. In oh, other words. that's the weird. That is the weirdest thing. Uh, is that before? I think it's around 169, 170 where he gets the wings. Okay. At a certain point, Captain America canonically gets super strength, which is weird. Mm-hmm. He just like during a, a a tussle, he gets knocked with some gas and is like, actually, I have super strength now. And Falcon <laughs> gets on like a weird tear where he's like, well, this isn't fair. I was always second fiddle. And now like he's got real powers instead of like vague super soldier powers. I need powers. So he goes to uh, Wakanda to meet with the Black Panther, where he gets wafer micro jet powered glider wings that officially can't fly, but he immediately uses them to fly all the time. <laughs> He's also heavily involved with uh, Layla Taylor, who is this sassy uh, Harlem native who uh, is like always just like following Falcon around and being like, why are you, why are you always fighting crime? That's a real drag, man. Like I, this girl needs some action in the city and it's very weird, but it's still like the Falcon is Captain America's like connection to humanity, a connection to the common man. 
and he just is like there to lend an extra pair of hands when Captain America's in over his head, like say when he's framed for murdering a villain known as the Tumbler, which is ironic once we get to the Winter Soldier that there's a character called the Tumbler. But yeah, the retcons, it's it's very like you can tell, you know, a lot of really pure hearted writers like Steve Englehart and uh, Stan Lee are all kind of like playing with the idea of what it means to have a black superhero and whether that's like, no, I care deeply about the community and black on black crime has defined me and I am in defiance of it. Or, hey, black on black crime doesn't define me. I'm my own man and you shouldn't judge someone based on like it really just goes all over the place with different retcons and different characterizations. The sole through line is Sam Wilson, the Falcon is a friend of Captain America with bird themes who is a black American man. <laughs> and yes. those are the only consistent things. And, and at the end of the 70s, 79, 1980, he becomes a member of the Avengers uh, and does and rejoins them later in 1998 oh. to become a prominent member at that point as well. But even then, even then, he is officially enlisted by Captain America because some like uh, suits from the government say that the Avengers is too white and they need to add minority representation yeah. to the Avengers. Uh. And the Falcon, through the voice of... Uh, I, I don't have it in front of me. Um, it, well, I think it's the Avengers, like... Which issue is it? I can track it down. I mentioned it. I posted it on Twitter. But he's, like... He's literally doing, like, Yesa Massa stuff to Captain America uh. to make fun of him for needing a black guy in the Avengers. It's like, again, it does not age well because it's still just like, you're just, they're just trying to say something important and give the right answer, but there is no right answer. Let's jump back to our Winter Soldier, shall we? Do you have any more on uh, Falcon in the comic books before we bring the Winter Soldier into the picture? Just that uh, by the 80s and 90s, he's just kind of there as a support character for Captain America. Uh, he shows up in team books a lot, the power creep where they keep giving him more gadgets and they keep increasing, you know, instead of just having a really cool connection to Red Wing, he has a psychic link. And then it's not just Red Wing. It's like he can like psychically, empathically talk to all birds and use them as like his eyes in the skies or like summon a flock of crows to distract a bad guy. And the tech within his wings goes from like, oh, he can just fly to like, no, his goggles has like telescopic radar heat vision and he can shoot little missiles and do all this mm-hmm, other stuff. Mm-hmm. And and that's going to develop even further in the MCU with the weird like Falcon bot, mm-hmm. uh, that the Falcon drone that he ends up with. It's not even an actual bird. But uh, here we go. Enter Ed Brubaker into the scene, going back to old Bucky. Old dead-ass Bucky. Uh, Ed Brubaker started out in the alternative comic scene doing comic stories uh, for a Dark Horse Comics anthology. He did a story called At the Seams as well, which got him a lot of notoriety. It explored a love triangle via three different stories, each from a different participant's point of view. He then got work for DC Comics. He signed an exclusive contract with them, and he did his first mainstream superhero gig starting with Batman. In 2004, he was no longer exclusive to DC. So he did work for Marvel, starting with Cap. And wouldn't you know it, he always wanted to bring Bucky back. You see, he had grown up a Navy brat and saw Bucky as an Army brat. And when he discovered Bucky had, got, had done, gotten an axe,
faxed in just a single page. He was just nine years old, and he, quote, was horrified. He had related with the characters so much, and he couldn't believe that mean man Stan would (laughs) steal this character from him that he could relate to so well. Brubaker said, from the time I was probably nine or ten years old, I kept, uh, I uh, I was in my sketchbooks, Plotting out ways to bring Bucky back, which I just love the idea you got this guy. It's like such a true superhero origin story. This guy's just like in the shadows, just calculating, trying to do this. Brubaker said, I think the idea that Bucky was captured by the Russians and used as an enemy against America was something that I came up with during the Cold War as a little kid in the mid-70s. Even as a kid, I had a good sense of dramatic structure, apparently. I knew that if you were going to take away Cap's biggest tragedy, you had to replace it with another huge tragedy, or he would lose that marble for you to play. Uh, and Brubaker also just happened to join the Marvel family at a time that they were looking to innovate after the comics crash in the 1990s. So they're, they're in a vulnerable place. They're looking for answers, and so he could actually maybe get an idea like this to fly. As we mentioned earlier, one of the main rules was you couldn't bring back two characters, Uncle Ben, who I would like to see come back as a cyborg. Oh my God, is that Uncle Ben punching a hole through that man? <laughs> and also you couldn't bring back... Bucky, but Brubaker manages to get this to happen. It was, of course, a tough sell, especially for Captain America editor Tom Brevort, uh, who had been against the idea of bringing back Bucky, which forced uh, old Brubaker to have a super tight plan to explain how he survived the plane explosion, which in this case he lost an arm and fell into the ocean, then was captured by the Russians, who would put him in suspended animation whenever he started to remember his past, which explains why he's so young-looking when we meet him again. The story of Bucky's return is called The Winter Soldier, which launched in late 2004. It turns the tables on the perception of Bucky back in World War II as more of a trained killer than just a mascot. This is this is our... Okay, so it should be noted that uh, previous attempts were made to bring back Bucky. Uh, John Byrne went on a famous uh, Captain America run where he wanted to do it and he was uh, shot down. And Peter David wanted to bring back... Um, uh, Bucky in the pages of the Incredible Hulk of all places, having uh, Bucky be revealed to be the identity of the mysterious Agamemnon, the uh, head of the Pantheon uh, uh, initiative group that like Hulk was rolling with in the 90s. Both never panned out. It's ironic that the thing that killed Captain America was true crime stories. And Ed Brubaker got his start and is still famous for his crime stories because these are you know, stories of p- desperate people pushed to their absolute limit of desperation, high stakes, uh, secrecy, don't, never knowing who to trust. And by taking Bucky and turning him into this killer, it ca- it definitely recontextualizes one of the funniest things about old school Golden Age Bucky, which is, why is this boy in the middle of World War II? Yeah. <laughs> and if the U.S. government is so willing to let this child wield a Tommy gun on the front lines, what else is what else are they looking the other way on? And the idea is, no man, he's all about wet works, fucking black ops, fucking <laughs> elite scout behind enemy lines, slitting throats, assassinating people. Maybe he's doing like a weird little honeypot to like a pervy old German officer, being like, ooh, I'm just a little American boy. And he's like, yeah, 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 me a squeezy de boy. And then oh, Bucky's right. like, bang, bang, air shit lord. <laughs> 
Uh, Brubaker said, I wanted to take World War II seriously. If this guy fought in World War II, what good would he he have been if he wouldn't actually do the same things that any other soldier had to do? So it is the sixth issue of his run that revealed the true identity of the Winter Soldier. And Brubaker was, quote, terrified that that was going to be the end of my career. Uh, (laughs) Here we see the older Bucky with a bionic arm with a communist red star on it, long hair, but still that classic domino mask to bring us back to who he originally was. Uh, And eventually, Steve Rogers is killed, and Bucky is forced to become the new Captain America, but also Sam Wilson becomes the new Captain America as well. Jake, please explain. (laughs) <laughs> so it's very ironic that at the same time that Bucky was brought back, or at, I think it was the same day at um, not E3, what's uh, at com at San Diego Comic Con, both Marvel and DC announced the return of Jason Todd and Bucky, and both came back as Domino masked gun guys. But the <laughs> response to Jason Todd took a was very uh, negative because people famously voted to kill Jason Todd in a uh, in a 1-900 number publicity stunt. Like wow. the fans chose to let him get killed by the Joker. But Bucky was kind of more of a blank slate. And um, rather than turning a famous character like Robin into this new dark thing, Bucky was kind of, people loved this take. And it really fit in with um, what Brubaker and uh, his artist, uh, Steve Epting, we're doing with Captain America. This is along with um, uh, Brian Michael Bendis's run on Spider-Man, along with so many other like 2000s comic resurgence Marvel takes kind of ushered in by Joe Quesada. They, people were loving this kind of melancholy soldier push to the brink. Um, well, I mean, of course, it's what, 2004, right? So, yeah. I mean, everything's gritty and <laughs> everyone's got like, yeah, if everyone's brooding with long hair at this point. And one of the things that Brubaker did phenomenally well in this run, which I had always heard about and never actually went back and read until this week for research, is how amazing he balances out the very bizarre rogues gallery that Captain America has kind of built up over the years, where you have like Nazi super scientists and like evil rogue CIA agents all kind of like meshing together. So you have like, Arnim Zola with the TV in his stomach and Dr. Faustus with his dumb beard and Red Skull and Crossbones and Sin, uh, who's like this psycho redhead killer woman who's like secretly Red Skull's daughter. And they have this like really believable, toxic relationship between each other. And uh, they introduce the concept of Bucky. They introduce the idea of Captain America like being uh, grounded and like conflicted by Bucky. And the uh, when it's time to, because Captain America gets shot with a time bullet by Agent 13, Sharon Carter, um, when it's time for Bucky to take up the mantle, uh, because Steve Rogers wrote a letter being like, please take care of Bucky and please make sure that the title of Captain America lives on. And Iron Man was like, I'll just, two birds, one stone this. I'll just give the shield to Bucky. It's kind of fascinating. It's, I know they did the a similar thing with like U.S. Agent. Uh, which who shows up in the TV show, uh, John Walker, the the shitty replacement Captain America. But the difference between Captain America, like taking down a squad of Hydra agents being like, remember the training, watch the year six, like do all this. Whereas Bucky Cap 
is just like, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck, god damn it, shit, 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 shit. How did he do this? This is it. what this is crazy. Was like a very neat take on the character. Plus, he had that cool black costume. He had the little pistol. It was all. He had the robot arm. It was all very, very cool. So yeah, it was a legendary comics run. Uh, the art and the writing and the characterization all just gelled perfectly. And it's a the entire introduction of Bucky through the Bucky Cap era was just a triumph for 2000s comic book storytelling. Hell yeah. Uh, and then, all, so eventually, and eventually he takes the shield fully himself, right? Um, and uh, also Sam Wilson, were you, did you, do you know much about Sam Wilson's take as Captain America? What is that, 2014? He grabs the shield. So um, Sam Wilson, during the death of Cap, he's there uh, kind of playing both sides of the Civil War conflict trying to maintain the peace and is trying just to be a good friend and ally to the memory of Steve Rogers. He helps. uh, He's just part of the the cast. He's part of the allies, the good guys in Brubaker's run. They introduced this. I forget who wrote this run. I didn't get to that. Um, But yada, yada, yada. They want to give Falcon a, a run. You know, Captain America got stale again. Uh, You can only do so many. He's kind of a Superman character where it's less about his personal thought process and his journey and more about what his like reputation and his presence does to the people around him. Uh You know what I mean? That's what like that's why he's so great in the Avengers and in the MCU is because when he's throwing himself into harm's way without any powers, you know, that moment's cool. But it's the other heroes kind of looking around being like, oh, shit, and getting like extra wind from that. That's the real triumph. Mm-hmm. But uh, a evil character who's like kind of a squidgy demon rogue shield agent guy named Iron Nail has a bizarre superpower where uh, besides all his evil blow up the world machinations, he can sprout like uh, fanged tendrils that suck the super soldier serum out of Captain America. And uh, rather than save himself, Captain America uh, gets attacked by Iron Nail. Uh, saves the day, but he's left as an old, like, age-appropriate, like, 80, 90-year-old man. And he's forced to work behind the scenes, and he chooses Sam Wilson, the Falcon, to take over the role. Mm. And this is tied in, I think, to, like, this is, we're already deep in the era where, like, the comics are now kind of getting a little subservient to the cinematic universe, and I think yeah, it's just... Yeah, this is, again, it's 2014 when we're, when we're, talk, where we're talking about this. So I think it's it was a little bit just to give uh, the Falcon a little bit of a pump because he is kind of this. It's, he's a weird addition to the MCU, like in terms of yes, Marvel I canon agree with characters. That. Yeah, like having Captain America's on again, off again, bird sidekick guy is a little bit of a weird touch, <laughs> and this kind of elevates him to the proper canon. But um, even then, there's like weird stuff going on. With his backstory, because um, by uh, Winter Soldier, when he's introduced in the movie, he's no longer just a guy. You know, the origin we talked about from the 1960s is completely gone. Um, He's now like a Afghanistan paratrooper veteran who uh, was part of an experimental. This is the weirdest thing. I still can't get over this. Um, It's established in Winter Soldier almost offhand. That he uh, served in Afghanistan and uh, he helps at uh, the VA to run group therapy sessions for Which, veterans you know, and wounded men- warriors. 
We mentioned that in the comic books. But he served as a paratrooper, specifically an experimental XO7 Falcon program, which involved <laughs> carbon fiber winged jetpacks that allowed for stealthy uh, rescue and uh, like stealth missions. Uh, he talks about his personal wounded warrior stories. Uh, I have the quote right here. I can't believe there's a MCU wiki article on this. Uh, my wingman, Riley, flying a night mission, standard rescue op, nothing we hadn't done a thousand times before, until an RPG rocked Riley's dumb ass out of the sky. Nothing I could do. It was like I was there just to watch. Uh, there's a article for Riley, the guy who died, who only appears in a single blurry photograph. Um, <laughs> he has no last name, and he is also known by the alias, Dumbass. But yeah, now he's like taking part in that post 9-11, like, or post Iraq, Afghanistan, like troop kind of scenario. And that kind of Mm -hmm. gives Captain America, again, a bridge to like modern, to the modern military, to modern veterans affairs, and to keep him grounded with like the common man. And he's there to like lighten up, you know, Captain America, who's again, so burdened with his his heavy his heavy responsibility of being America's symbol. And so Sam Wilson, a.k.a. the Falcon, is played by Anthony Mackie in the MCU. He came out of New Orleans. He went to the North Carolina School of the Arts. I auditioned for there. Mm-hmm. They didn't let me in. Uh, as well as Juilliard for drama. He did, did you a try lot to of, get into Juilliard? Uh, I didn't even try. Mm. Uh, why would I waste my time? <laughs> he did a lot of notable theater after that, including starring in three plays by August Wilson. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which uh, the, the filmed version is currently nominated for an Oscar. Uh, or at least actors, I forget what it is, but whatever, it's Oscar-nominated film. Uh, Fences and Jitney, those are all like big, and Fences, again, big big, uh, big film version of that. He was also uh, the understudy for Don Cheadle in Top Dog Underdog, which is another uh, yes. huge drama, uh, huge, stage huge, yeah. drama. So that's a big theater pedigree, and it showed, this guy's great, man. He's such a good actor. His first film was Eight Mile. He did several critically acclaimed movies before getting cast as Falcon, including Million Dollar Baby, The Hurt Locker, and Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. His first film as Falcon was Captain America, The Winter Soldier, as we mentioned, and uh, Wait, he played the just, role of- did you just blow past Anthony Mackie's <laughs> true film uh, premiere in which he played Clarence slash Papa Doc in 8 Mile? I, I said his first film was 8 Mile, but I didn't, but I didn't give his- Papa Doc- Clan, did, he yes. goes to a fucking private school, and you're gonna. You're right. He do, he's not representing <laughs> the eight mile. He's I just, just a poser. I just wish we were in the same room right now, so you could slap my knuckles with a ruler. <laughs> and I apologize, Jake, and I apologize to the fans. Uh, his first film is Falcon, as I said, Captain America: Winter Soldier. He goes on to play it again, that role in Age of Ultron, Avengers: Age of Ultron, I should say, Ant Man, Captain America: Civil War, Avengers: Infinity War, and Avengers: Endgame. And honestly, if you like needed to see everything in terms of the Winter Soldier and uh, in terms of, or at least in terms of Bucky Barnes and Falcon, it's those movies, and then also Black Panther. And you will have essentially seen all of the MCU-related films when it comes to these characters. If you really need all of that in order to uh, start watching the show, there it is. Mackie said, he's the first African-American superhero. It makes me feel all the work I've done has been paying off. I have a son, nephews, and nieces, and I love the idea that they can dress up as the Falcon on Halloween. They now have someone they can idolize. That's a huge honor for me. It might be dressing like Black Panther more than the Falcon, but I get you, buddy. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, it's interesting how uh, the MCU has kind of tapped into Anthony Mackie's portrayal. Uh, They, you know, in the first episode, it shows him having family in uh, northern Louisiana, and his family ran a a seafood, a fishing boat. Uh And, you know, how he's like, um, how like... Just drawing on Anthony, see, like, yeah, you think they draw Drew from his life for all that stuff, for like the actual actor for all that stuff. I guess it makes more sense than like what Stan Lee and Roy Thomas and Steve Englehart thought mm-hmm. um, life in Harlem was like. Yeah, well, that's why I'm very glad. I already mentioned Malcolm Spellman. We'll get to him in just a second, more so. But yeah, I really like that it's very much run by African American. Uh, writers and things like of that nature because they do deal in those types of issues with the show and I think that I already have faith in their handling of it well and they've already been handling it super well in these first couple episodes but before we get to all that Sebastian Stan plays Bucky he was drawn to the theater at an early age he got into television starting in 2003 with Law and Order oh my god you have to if you track down Sebastian this is important Law and Order his first appearance in Law and Order if you track down it's all on YouTube Sebastian Stan Law and Order uh, he's one of those like terrifyingly complex like he's on trial for murder and they have to figure out whether or not he was abused by his I, you know I'm gonna spoil this random ass episode of Law yeah, and Order yeah, please turns out he was his dad isn't really his dad he was actually kidnapped by his fake dad at a young age <laughs> and that made him crazy and the dad is played by Ty Burrell from American Family Modern, I'm sorry, from Modern Family, and it's just the so it's like young Sebastian Stan and the and the guy from from Modern Family talking about the most heinously convoluted sick crime, <laughs> all in a courtroom, and it's very weird. It's very very That's... weird. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details. Amazing. Uh, he also had a reoccurring role on Gossip Girl starting in 2007. Did you watch all of his Gossip Girl appearances as well, Jake? I didn't, but he was much <laughs> slimmer, but still pretty. <laughs> his uh, break in film started with Darren Aronofsky's Black Swan, phenomenal film, and the comedy Hot Tub Time Machine. This is right before he gets cast as Bucky Barnes in Captain America, the first Avenger. Stan was signed on for nine effing movies and had no knowledge of the comics. His character was largely b- based on... At that time, he watched uh, documentaries and films about World War II. He actually said the TV show Band of Brothers was the biggest inspiration for his performance. And Sebastian continues to play the character, of 
course, in Captain America the Winter Soldier. The character appears as the brainwashed assassin. Stan said he, quote, dove into the whole Cold War thing. I looked at the KGB. I looked at all kinds of uh, spy movies and all kinds of documentaries about that time and what it was about. I grabbed anything from that time period, anything about brainwashing. And, uh, yeah, he comes back in Civil War, Black Panther, Infinity War, and Endgame. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, and so the main important thing to remember is just that, you know, Endgame happens, every, you know, Captain, spoiler alerts on this, all this shit, by the way, just throwing it out there. If you haven't seen the literal most popular film in America of the past 300 years, spoiler alert. And, uh, you know, Cap essentially goes into retirement and decides to become an old man, you know, with, with his, uh, the character decided that and not. Chris Evans' contract ran out. <laughs> That's yeah, exactly. definitely he what was happened. Desperate to move on to other projects, but uh, this is a very interesting situation. And he even gives Sam Wilson the shield at the end, essentially saying, "Like, I want you to. I'm passing the torch on to you. You've got these two characters that are very much a part of the MCU, but not quite, not not in no way in the forefront." And you have this whole issue of, like, where do we go from here with Cap's character? And that is where we come to this TV show. This TV show, uh, largely in charge of this TV show, is Malcolm Spellman. His career started his own way by writing the screenplay for the film Our Family Wedding, which got made and released back in 2010. After that, he got work writing on the TV series Empire in 2015, and he also produced on that show, which was a success. Spellman said, Part of the mission statement for this series was that we create heroes of the moment who can lead us into the future. And to do that, they have to be dealing with issues that regular people would understand. And I think anyone who's been living through this pandemic can understand how the people in the MCU feel about a global problem where half the population has just reappeared. And also, I'm adding to this quote, but also where everyday people that we see as everyday people, nurses, doctors, become these heroes in our eyes, you know, especially. And I do think that that's interesting. Of course, we're talking about the COVID-19 pandemic. God, I hope it's a something we that we have to reference uh, for people listening to in the future that they're like, what do you mean? What pandemic? <laughs> uh, we're talking about that uh, as that's what they were going through while filming this thing. Even though it kind of happened in the middle of filming, it's still definitely, I think, changed the direction a little bit of some of the stuff they were doing. Well, uh, they started filming in Atlanta, And then they were going to film in Puerto Rico, but Puerto Rico had some, I think it was the earthquakes that were devastated the country. Uh, Then they were going to move to the Czech Republic uh, and then COVID hit and they all went back to Atlanta. And then like, even though they were kicked out of the Czech Republic in March, by May, the Czech Republic was like, uh, never mind, virus, good. Bring back America money, yes? Good. <laughs> so they were able to finish that. Um, so, rewinding a little bit before that, we already c- talked about this. Also, check out our WandaVision episode that we did recently where, where we have seem to be covering the Disney Plus Marvel TV shows that have been slamming out uh, on streaming recently as they have been, become the cultural events a little bit uh, for for us as we're unable to go to movie theaters for the most part. Um, even though I did go to a movie theater, Jake, and saw Tenet uh, last week. Why? I don't know. It was fucking <laughs> horrible. And uh, more more on that, uh, I can't wait to talk to you about Tenet, Jake. Uh, we're going to get into that in the bonus episodes on our Patreon. But enough about our Patreon, patreon.com 
forward slash Whisbro. As mentioned before in the WandaVision episode, back in 2018, Marvel Studios started developing different limited series for Disney streaming service. They wanted to give those supporting characters that wouldn't get their own film to take center stage. And of course, obviously, we're probably not going to give Scarlet Witch her own movie, and we're probably not going to give Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh, their own starring film either. Spellman was asked to pitch a series and went with Falcon and Winter Soldier as audiences responded well to the two. Uh, even just in their small scenes together, they could tell that you know there was chemistry there, and they really kind of had a spark. So they wanted to make something akin to a buddy action comedy like Midnight Run, or those especially that deal in, racial, in a racial dynamic like 48 Hours, Rush Hour, or Lethal Weapon. And I have to say, I'm already in because I love those types of movies. I love Lethal Weapon. I love buddy cop movies. All that kind of stuff. Quippy kind of, yeah, fast stuff. Jake is reeling right now because he has thoughts. Well, go, go for it, Jake. I Again, the uh, show is still finishing its run when we're recording this we've, run. Yeah, we've only seen two episodes at this point, but correct, Jake? It speaks to a flaw in the MCU's kind of house style where right now both these characters are, they're both the sassy, sarcastic one. Which makes no sense because Bucky really should be. Bucky, by all means, in terms of his character and the backstory, he should be the straight man, like, stone-cold one, and Sam should be the, like, quippy one. But yes, I agree. They're both kind of quippy. They kind of blur together both to get their zingers in. Um, And it's not... But they're both good at... I will say, they're they're both both good good at zingers. They're both good at zingers, and they're both, you know, attractive men who look good punching other men. I'd watch them fuck. I'd let them have sex with me. Well, hold. Um, <laughs> I have I have a thought to end on because I don't know when else okay. we'd ever talk about this. I'm scared that that prompted a thought for you to end on, but we'll move towards it slowly and cautiously. Uh, before we get to that, <laughs> that thought based on me saying what I just said, uh, Spellman also wanted to have Wilson be a, quote, regular guy in a world of superheroes. Spellman said... And that is part of, I think, modernizing what a superhero is today, is to be able to be to see a superhero who deals with a bank loan or therapy. You know what I'm saying? Not just in one scene, but in the actual story. Uh, and uh, another cool thing about this show is, and we mentioned, by the way, we, we applied that to examples earlier, but I'll just bring up again the bank loan scene the you know not being able to make rent it, it, it's it is I love it I always love when they do that with superhero stuff that's why like I I, I compared it a little bit to the boys a little bit but uh, just like this kind of like applying it to the real world stuff that I really enjoy or even maybe even more so like kick ass than the boys as an example but regardless he along with his wife who is also a head writer put together a very diverse writers room which is awesome Spellman said we were determined to have a room that had a lot of black folk in it we had LGBTQ people represented it was a small small room it was only six episodes and I think we had four writers you know what I'm saying but the writers assistant and the writers PA were also black so I think we did a pretty good job of keeping it diverse considering and he purposely wished to address racial issues as well saying quote if you want any honesty to them you cannot avoid all the trauma that Bucky's been through and you cannot avoid the fact that Sam is black though he also says quote we did not show up with an agenda which I think is important to say and it doesn't feel like it it's just there and it's so refreshing to see racist cops in a world with a black guy as a superhero like you it's just that's the reality that's what it would really be like Mm -hmm. so to try to act like 
to try to treat this character without any sort of a, a, the real world America real world effects is is un, is yeah it's dishonest. So I, I really do I appreciate mean, they, that. Isaiah Bradley, the uh, black Captain America who was introduced in comics in the, uh, I believe the miniseries was called uh, Truth, Red, White, and Black, where, like, they kind of go into American history where, like, you know, in the same country that did the Tuskegee experiments, like, why would the superhero super soldier formula be tested on a random blue-eyed, blonde-haired white guy first? Like, Mm -hmm. that there is this level of... um, you know, uh, history that has gone kind of paved over and we're seeing it bubble to the surface in uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, 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 for sure. So one of the things about the dynamic is that these are characters that are defined by their relationship to Captain America. They are people that represent his past, that represent his attempts to reintegrate into the future. They represent uh, his humanity and his uh, mistakes, his past sins. And more importantly, we cannot talk about Bucky Barnes without addressing Stucky, <laughs> also known as Steve slash Bucky, the fanship pairing that took millennial internet by storm. I'm talking fan fiction. I'm talking fan comics. I'm talking fan art. I'm talking fan films. Right. The fact is, uh, I think for the first time in a in of in since the character's history, Chris Evans' portrayal of Captain America as this pure, sweet kind of uh, chased, aloof, non-threatening hero brought in tons of women into the MCU and into the Marvel universe, and kind of contributed to the cultural hegemony that we experience. All in the fact that Chris Evans looks good in a costume. And is like, seems like a polite guy you'd want to introduce to your mom. (laughs) And in that characterization, the only time we see him uh, truly like care for someone deeply, like they kind of try and do it with the, uh, let me get that dance with Agent Carter. But in terms of on screen, like glances exchanged and like heartfelt moments, his relationship with Bucky is the closest Cap had to a romantic relationship, even though it fits with like brothers in arms, band of brothers, you know, kind of uh, Mm -hmm. ancient warrior bonding brotherhood. The fact is, is Sebastian Stan is a incredibly like compelling presence on screen with his sad eyes and traumatic past. Steve, uh, you know, Chris Evans is a, and is a captivating charismatic presence. And so female fans were obsessed with shipping these two characters together. Uh, you know, one's kind of light, one's kind of dark, one's kind of beefy, one's slimmer. There's like all these homoerotic uh, shipping tropes that just lent, stoked this fire. The fact that these characters knew each other across a cent- the entire 20th century, so you could have like two closeted gay teens in 1940s New York who have to share a secret to like two modern gay dads who take care of baby spider-man sometimes which is a thing that happened on tumblr a lot a lot of comics with them taking care of a baby spider-man there was a hashtag that trended in 2016 called give captain america a boyfriend and like these two characters and especially these two portrayals of these characters just were a lightning rod for 
burgeoning fandoms across the internet and the way it kind of sublimated a lot of the toxicity and kind of uh, the things that made these like burly, punchy men kind of uh, unappealing to female fans just kind of got swept away with enthusiastic uh, fan cannons and uh, all these. It kind of took what should be violent, jingoistic, you know, nationalist symbols and made them caring and loving and approachable. Uh, it even got so fervent that Marvel, uh, specifically Joe Russo, one of the Russo brothers, had to release a statement saying, what's fascinating about the Cat Bucky story as well is that it's a love story. These are two guys who grew up together, and so they have that same emotional connection to each other as brothers would. And even more so because Bucky was all Steve had growing up. As brothers, canonically heterosexual brothers. <laughs> to the point where Captain America then got married thanks to time shenanigans. Mm. But uh, I will never forget being on Tumblr every day and having my dashboard filled with kissy fan art of Sebastian Stan and Chris Evans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Was that the whole thought you had? It's an important thing to acknowledge. <laughs> Hold on a sec. Hey, Marie! You got Stucky. Stucky was important, right? They were boyfriends. She says they were boyfriends, and nothing you can say <laughs> can change her mind. So, uh, also, I, I I meant to mention this with the writing before we uh, went into that, and <laughs> and uh, that's just that Derek Kolstad uh, is also was also a member of the writers' room, and he is the creator of the John Wick. Franchise, So you've got some pedigreed motherfuckers in this writing staff. The director is Kerry Scoglin, and they wanted to uh, ask the question, who is an American, and who gets to decide what principles the country stands for? What compels people to take extreme actions in the name of what they believe is patriotism? Scoglin started out as an editor and then got into directing with commercials and music videos for which he won, an, uh, won awards, which opened the door to directing TV shows, starting with 1994's Dead at 21. More recently, she directed a slew of strong episodes of The Handmaid's Tale, including that season one finale, and she describes her processes as communication, curiosity, and being open to an outcome that is different from what I have planned, and I think that is actually especially apparent with the whole idea that the COVID-19 pandemic happened while they were filming, and they definitely, I think, changed gears a little bit in the making of the show to compare the blip or the snap, as MCU fans call it, to the COVID-19 pandemic as a, quote, a world striving for stability after a global catastrophe. And you definitely have that element in the show. You've got that buddy cop thing going on, which I really dig. You also have the hilarious, like, new Captain America. It's already become a a, a super big deal meme. (laughs) Uh, The actor is Wyatt Russell. I think he's really funny. You don't really get, you know, it's kind of the reveal at the end of episode one, but you get to meet him more so in episode two, (laughs) and I think he's doing a great job as... Uh, this this uh, carry this anno- kind of annoying Captain America replacement, but not like on its face annoying. A uh, side fact: I, I I read this the other day, and I just didn't put it in my notes. But uh, in the show, he also has a sidekick named Battlestar. Yes, and when the uh, John Walker character was introduced back in the day, yes, he did still had a uh, black sidekick named Bucky. 
And uh, legendary uh, TV comics writer Dwayne McDuffie had to march to the editor's office and patiently explain why you can't have a black character named Buck. Which I honestly did, until I read about this, I didn't even know this was a term (laughs) for uh, African-American men during, like, slavery times to refer to a slave. Um, uh, Yeah, uh, so that was, like, a whole crazy thing that happened. So, yes, he comes here as Battlestar. But it's interesting because they make his character also sort of that that, um, phony baloney sidekick to the phony baloney Captain America, which is, I think, is a a funny application of that character. But, yeah, he he is actually Battlestar. Uh, in this in this show from the comic books, um, and yeah, the you already mentioned the filming. You know, a lot of it was done in Atlanta, Georgia, under the work. I love working titles of movies because they're always like intentionally. It, it it seems awful. Like who would make a movie with the name with this name, or who would make a TV show? They they went under working title Tag Team, which just it sounds like a ter- just such a bland, terrible name for a thing. Uh, and yeah, they uh, they ended up uh, essentially. You know, the production was compared to shooting a six hour MCU film. I think the cool thing with all of this is that. You know, and that's why the credits are literally seven minutes long at the end of an episode. I think the cool thing about all this is it really is applying uh, their, there was, MC, their there Marvel was Cinematic movie. Universe people. Mm-hmm. There was a movie called Tag Team. <laughs> uh, it starred Roddy, Rowdy Roddy Piper and of Jesse the Body Ventura, and it was a buddy cop film. I mean, at least they're wrestlers. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It's you know the cool thing about this is that they're actually they're not using their television arm for these series. They're using the the actual MCU arm for this stuff with Kevin Feige like producing and and um, it feels so, it's so crazy. I was watching with Lexi last night and just commenting on like it's so crazy like how good these action scenes are like that opening. Uh, Air airplane oh, skydiving. God. Oh, you mean when pole. the when the Falcon had to do an aerial battle with Batroc the Leaper, famous yeah. French jumpy man? <laughs> yeah, man. It's like that shit is ridiculous looking. It looks so good. It's like something you definitely would feel like you would see first in a movie theater before you'd see it at home. So uh that's that's very cool. Uh, it will be, I believe it's six episodes. I think we got confused. It said on like Wikipedia or whatever, it lists like only four episodes, but I guess it will be six. And uh, I'm I'm here for it. I, I I know you have your qualms, Jake. I kind of agree, but I'm just such a sucker for like I love to rush hour, love the lethal weapons, like all that stuff, man. I'm such a sucker for that vibe. So right now I'm really into it. I, the first episode, I will say for me personally, besides those big action set pieces, it was a little dry, a little slow. But I I, I after this after that first episode, I think they really turn on the buddy cop aspect, mm-hmm. and now I'm in. Now I'm really excited to watch the rest of this play out and set up, tee up, of course, all this Wandavision, Falcon Winter Soldier, all this stuff is just setting up for a uh, for all the movies that will be coming uh, th- from the MCU in the future. So it's gonna be interesting to see just all those little Easter eggs and little uh, little foreshadowies, foreshadowy moments. And I think that's about it. Jake, do you have anything other than just wanting to see those two men um, make out uh, illustrated by fangirls? I I personally don't care that Steve Rogers is probably canonically bisexual, given the text (laughs) of the Marvel Cinematic Universe as given. That's not up to me. (laughs) Marie is dancing in triumph as uh, I'm speaking the truth. (laughs) 
Yeah, I just think these are two very weird characters. And if you had told me that the biggest name in comic book movies was going to be A, Falcon and Bucky, and B, it wasn't even going to be a movie. It was going to be an internet video, which is what streaming is. I'd be like, that's a weird prophecy, adult man Jake who just stepped through a time portal. Yeah, but I guess I have to believe it because it's so crazy. Yeah, agreed. And uh, but I'm down. I hope they keep doing these even after movie theaters open back up and everything. And then the next question would be like, "Will I get to touch a booby?" And then I'll have to be like, <laughs> "It's gonna be a while, bro. It's I hate to be break a it long time. Yeah, be act opposite of the way you act, and maybe it'll happen sooner. But <laughs> no, uh, yeah, but even exactly. if I act the opposite of the way I act, I won't be in this awesome time portal to <laughs> talk to myself, and then oh, we'll create goodness. a paradox. Oh, please. We already did Back to the Future. I can't, I can't come up. By the way, Back to the Future 2, not as bad as we said it was. And uh, Mario Kart Double Dash is very good. Very strong entry in the series. So sorry about that. Uh, Jake and Holdo apologize. Uh, Back to the Future 2. We're going to just do an episode on just Back to the Future 2 and Double Dash, where we just suck those two properties dicks. I mean, I will talk about <laughs> twice as much how much you watch a woman almost die on screen in that movie. So get ready for that. Uh, All right, there you have it. That is our episode on Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, If you want to support us further, we do weekly bonus content on patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. That's patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. And, of course, for $15 a a month, you get the study sessions on Sundays. We hung out and watched an episode of this and... uh, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, if it's a video game, we hang out and play the video game. It's always a blast. Check it out. Check me out. Twitch.tv forward slash Holdenators Ho. I'm usually streaming on Monday, Tuesday, and Friday nights. It's kind of the afternoon for me now because I'm on the West Coast. But either way, you get the idea. Uh, again, that's Twitch.tv forward slash Holdenators Ho. Jerk! Uh, listen, who cares about the hundreds of episodes of bonus content? Who cares about the access to the Discord? Who cares about joining the study session where we get to engage in future topics uh, in real time chatting with the audience. Who cares about any of that? The fact is uh, your Patreon dollars will help us live in the world. And if that's a thing that you want to see happen, if you want to see your, your adorable best adult man friend, Jake, not be in a gutter of some kind covered in slime and dirty leaves where he should be. Let's be honest. Uh, go to patreon.com forward slash whisper. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at BestJakeYoung to see all my thoughts and plops and definitely get a head start on the weirder shit that I've found during uh, research. Uh, that's uh, it's, it's almost spoiler alerts for the podcast. You can see all the random moments and obscene, obscene canonical oddities that I come across while researching. Hell yeah. And always remember, never stop bruising. And keep on whizzing. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. You can live out your MasterChef dream when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.